Hey, you guys, welcome to Trailer Cast. I am Elise Snipes, your host. And um, right up front, um, today's podcast might be a little leaky, if you will. I am home from the hospital with my daughter and have this feeling a million things. And this is this podcast, this space has been my unfiltered way of kind of finding my way through pain and like real time things. I mean, that's like my most, what I want most um, from this podcast is that people could hear an unfiltered, unedited, raw sense of like, hey, this is what being a human is. And so um, there isn't a right way to be well. And there isn't a, um, there doesn't need to be shame in how you've done it in the past. And there doesn't need to be uh, striving and they're just it, you know I just kind of want to just fuck all that shit up that's how I feel right and and that's how I feel I don't I don't I'm not gonna minimize my way around the heart of this podcast and so here I am here I am this morning um here I am Today, um, we're going to talk about homecoming and complex trauma, and I'm going to catch you up to speed. So whether this is your first time listening in or um, you've been listening for the last few years, this is where I'm at today. Uh, Last week, I was in Austin, Texas, and I was at a church. (laughs) That's laughable to me a bit because I had kind of sworn off that... um, sworn off a church as a dangerous place and in the last few years have done a lot of my own own work into my own homecoming within myself that that if I am safe for me then I can go anywhere and create safety for myself and this last Sunday at Austin New Church was that experiment was that opportunity to go in wholeness and to go in power and to go in what I'm good at and, and to me, that was supporting my friend in taking up his space in bearing his heart for the work that he gets to do. And so, again, that's a longer story for another time. But the irony was for me that I thought last week was about homecoming. And I even stayed at the super cute little um, hotel place that had this neon sign on the wall it said wander home and I like I wrote about it um, because Instagram is like a diary or a journal for me and I just wrote about this idea that I feel like for so many of my years I was doing that like always searching for this home like when will I ever feel like oh that's what home feels like and um, there is a home from my childhood that that did hold that space um, it always smelled like laundry and there was like kid noise and the parents were safe and I could go there and, and I could be okay. And, um, the Haug family, their home represented my first like taste of that, like what it meant to have home. And it happened to be in a house and their family was that though. It still is that, but I can remember 
the dis- that that's not what happens at my home. And so searching for where I belonged, where I fit. And so when I walked into this hotel and I saw that sign and I thought, God, I think it might be the first time in years where I hadn't had that um, searching, hungry feeling. I, I'm like, oh, oh, I haven't had that feeling in a while. I have that. I have the home now. I mean, it smells like laundry. <laughs> There's laundry all over the floor. There's like, it, it's, it looks a little different in my house, but it's a home. We've, I've been able to make a space like that for my own kiddos who have their own space of belonging. And, um, and beyond that, within my own person, like within Elise, a sense of, I am here and I belong here. And that was the, that has been my true journey, that it wasn't something that was out there that I was searching for and looking for. And, and maybe one day there would be a home or a place that that, that that would be it, but it wasn't out there. It was here first. If I didn't know how to recognize home in here, then there's no way I was going to be able to arrive at a home out there and feel that. And so do you ever think you're learning something like maybe that like you've got synchronicity happening or there's themes or you hear a podcast or a song and, a, and you read something in a book and all those things start to align and you're like oh that's what I'm learning right now and so that was that was what was happening for me last week like I'm like oh homecoming homecoming I mean <laughs> the irony is I even like wrote about it I'm like oh yeah that and then I got home from Austin on Monday and it, that that trip, I it deserves its own episode. But I get home from Austin on Monday, and my daughter's sick, and it was kind of like in, it was just a kind of rough reentry where coming back in and needing to um, make a real quick shift into full time attendance of like okay, all right, let's do this. So sick kiddo. Um, and active sons and, and, and trying to figure out, you know, just, just holding that down. My husband's a first responder, so he was gone. Um, and we are planning our first family vacation in like years. Like he just finished his uh, probationary year as being a firefighter. And so we were going to take our first time off and third kiddo sick. And we're like, why don't we just get some antibiotics before we go out of town? That's literally how I'm holding the experience. Like she's fine. There's no, just bear with me. There's her snot's not green. You know, that's where I, that was how I was looking at the situation. All right. Like, like she's, she's fine. We've had way sicker kiddos in this. I was genuinely thinking like, Oh, like we're just going to go get the antibiotics and then we're going to pack up the car and go. I had both the kid, both my sons and the dog with me. And because of COVID and all things going on, when we went to the pediatrician, the boys had, had, Okay, here it is. The boys had to stay in the car because you're only allowed sick kids up there. And so I, I'm i like, what? Oh, all right. Well, I guess you guys are staying in the car. So I just told the boys, please don't get out of the car. <laughs> please <laughs> just <laughs> stay in the car with the dog. We're going to be in and out real quick. And we get up to, I also am like laughing at myself right now because I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And maybe someone's going to call CPS because I left my kids in the car. I don't know. Um, it was a thing. We get up there 
and the doctor takes Eden's um, pulse ox and it's like at 86 and it should be at 100 and that's how the, how it started and so the doctor's like no this is you need to go to the emergency room and I'm like what like no we're here for the antibiotic because the vacation and the kids are in the car and the dog and we we're going um we're going to mammoth <laughs> question mark so obviously that's that was fucking scary to have the doctor say you need to go to the emergency room you need to go now she needs to, she needs oxygen um so household back down to the car and had to run home drop off the boys drop off the dog um pack bags so that way we I just had new I know this experience I've um, had to go to the emergency rooms and sit there before and know what that's like. So I just grabbed all the things I thought we would need and headed to the emergency room. Get to the emergency room and they have to do all like these scary things um, for a five-year-old. And I have a lot of complex medical trauma. Um, I have a paralyzing condition that has uh, transverse myelitis that's left me a I'm paralyzed from the waist down twice, and I just, I don't know, I've been in, I've been in enough emergency rooms when I was the patient that I, I kind of get uh, swirly when I'm in there, and for me, what happens is I build a pretty steely exterior, and then, in, and I'm trying to be a super, super compliant patient. It's like this um, Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing that comes up for me, where I'm like, be good to authority and they'll let you go. Like that's, that's my inner dialogue, which is a tra trauma response. All right, you guys, <laughs> it's not in my right self when I'm totally regulated. I'm like, that's not how I live my life. That's not how I feel about authority even, or what I believe. But this is, you can hear the trauma response coming forward where I'm like, if you just do what they say, then they won't hurt you. Like that, the, and you can hear that, right? You can kind of hear where that comes from. So we're in the emergency room and I'm in this place battling between that version of me and mama bear because I'm not the person in the emergency room as the patient. I'm mom. And so there's this moment of, I want to advocate. I want to protect. I want to make sure that things are explained well to her. I want to avoid as much medical trauma as possible here. And so she has to have an IV put in, they have to draw her blood, they have to do two uh, nose swabs. Um, they rule out COVID, but they're not sure what's going on. They have to run all these viral panels. Um, they're giving her fluids, antibiotics um, intravenously. And um, so I pause to kind of tell her like, okay, Eden, like this is what's going on. And I'm, I'm wanting to explain it to her. And she looks at me and then she looks at the people that are helping her. And she's like, who are you? What's your name? Where do you live? Do you have brothers? What's your brother's name? Do you have a dog? She she has she had, I called it Eden's Inquisition. She had a flow of questions she went through with every single masked and gowned person that came in the room. And nobody got by her until she went through her line of questioning. Who are you? What's your name? Where do you live? Do you have brothers? What are their names? Do you have a dog? And only then oh and then what are you here to do and are you gonna hurt me are you gonna hurt me this force this human my daughter 
advocated for herself. She has this psycho innate ability to be like, hey, she's like in charge of herself. She wasn't trying to be good so that no one hurt her. She was fierce and no one hurt her. Like there, it was the most mind blowing experience to witness that here I am thinking, okay, how am I going to like, um, you know, like, Hey, put your trauma aside, rise up, be the mom that she needs. And, um, you know, do that at least show up, come on. And, and then watching her come forward and fire as she's like sweating through this fever and sick, sick, sick. And, I was just blown away. I was blown away. I was blown away to watch her use her voice. And that is a better scenario to me um, than bowling over her to use my voice, right? If I, if I could just stand and support, right? And be like, yeah, that, yeah, no, you're, yes, you're going to answer these questions because these are important for her. And not explaining away, not making excuses, not being like, oh, you know, she's a little tired right now. So, you know, she's, you know, no, just being like, fuck yeah, that's my girl. So answer up. (laughs) And I figured, I finally see the picture of like raising Eden where I, it's complex, right? Like I, I, I wanted this redo. I wanted this maternal redo. I wanted to be able to have a relationship with the daughter that I craved when I was a daughter and getting to do that. I thought it would be one way as it, and it never is. And so, um, she's not a delicate flower. <laughs> um, I got a lot of text messages from people being like, you know, she's such a firecracker. At least she's going to pull through. And I'm like, she's not a firecracker. She's the 4th of July. You guys, she is she is so radical and and I saw this picture where the Olympics are just bear with me the Olympics are starting this week and in the winter Olympics they have this really bizarre sport called curling I think where there's this people with brooms on the ice and a stone that they're pushing and hoping that the stone gets across the finish line and I'm like I Eden's the stone and I'm the person with the broom. I'm not sweeping up behind her trying to clean up a mess. I'm fucking moving shit out of her way so that she can go as fast as she possibly can and get as much as she can and cross that finish line. I'm like, that is what motherhood looks like raising Eden. I'm just like yelling in Russian at the broom, get moving the thing, the obstacles out of her way and letting her do her thing. And I, yeah, that's how I saw it this week. Watching her, um, watching her need herself, and then needing me for something else. So she didn't need me for her voice, but she did need me for her comfort. So she, you know, wants wanted me to sleep in her little hospital bed with her and um, and do all the things. And it was a neat reorientation to understand. Uh, right now, re uh, relationship with what does she need? Not what do I want to give her, and what is what do I think she needs? But but really learning what it was. Um, she's home. <laughs> I could have said that too. We were there from Tuesday to Saturday. Um, she's home. She's home now. She's off breathing treatments. Um, and I just kept, kind of kept waiting to exhale because every day was like, oh, um, we're going to be out of here. She's, we've got to be out of here. She's fine. You know, every day she's getting better, but not well enough that they could release us. 
And so I, I just kept thinking, I just need to get home. I just need to get home. I just need to get my girl home. And on the day we were leaving, I finally like put, um, posted something on Instagram and I love, like I felt an extreme amount of love come back towards us. This feeling of like, um, we've been there, like, you know, home and, you know, just as, just as soon as you guys get home, you can just kind of take it all off mama. And like, just like, just beautiful understanding. That's what it felt like. Like Instagram can be a lot of things. Um, I kind of choose to only hold it in one way and that is, um, my way. And I'm not, I'm not, I have zero desire to bend to any formulas or, you know, I just, I don't, I don't, I refuse to be anything other than who I am on that platform included. And so if I've got something to say, then I say it. And if I don't, then I don't. And that's just the way it is. And so, um, being, showing that part of my life, my, my momhood, um, and seeing all these other, you know, mom voices meet me was extraordinary. And I hope it's also a, an eye opener for us that, um, that is a platform or real life happens and can happen. And just notice the difference. No, just notice the difference. That's all. That's what I was thinking was like, yeah, that's another thing. Um, so freaking get out of that hospital, get all the IVs and tubes and things out of, out of there. And that there's, there was a million things that happened. Um, advocating with each nurse, you know, every 12 hours we got a new nurse. So it was like starting over to a whole new regime of like what this nurse wanted versus what, what this nurse wanted. And this nurse wanted to know every single thing that she ate and how many, you know, liters she drank and how many liters she peed. And like, and the next nurse was like, didn't ask any of those things. And just like, was like, no, she's fine. We'll just spot check her. She'll be okay. We need to get her up and moving. And the next one's being like, you can't leave this room. You're in quarantine. And it's like, fuck people. Like, like it, we're just trying to like do what we need to do to, to get well and get out of here. And every 12 hours to have that shift was eventually just maddening. And so it, it just, yeah, the whole thing was a whole thing. All right. <laughs> so we we pile up all of the things we'd accumulated over the course of our time at the hospital, get in the car, go home. Now, mind you, I thought we were not staying in the hospital. I thought we were going to be leaving on Tuesday. So I sent my husband and the boys on our family vacation. Like, what do you do? Why? Of course, go. We'll meet you there. We're going to be fine. Like, I just so severely underestimated the pneumonia. I didn't realize. I didn't realize. I didn't know. And even if we didn't get out, what are they going to do? Sit at home, wait for us to get there. So I'm like, go, go, just <laughs> go live, be alive. This is what we've got. So they weren't coming home till Sunday night. We get home on Saturday and I was, I knew I was holding it all together until I got home. Like I, I hadn't cried. I, um, I wouldn't let myself exhale. I knew it. Like I could tell us what I was doing is hold it together until it's safe enough for you to not have to hold it all. And we get home and like nothing, like not, like nothing happened. I was still like super hypervigilant. Um, Eden is still obviously rec recovering from RSV pneumonia. And so 
is just kind of needs to rest a lot and has a lot of things she needs. And I like, I just kept waiting for this like deluge of tears. I kept waiting for like some release and I'm like, what the fuck? Like I'm home and it just, it was so strange. And so I'm just like, what is going on here? And I'm like, all right, well maybe, you know, maybe, and this is what I told myself, maybe it's because this was your best case scenario. You're home, your daughter's alive. Like, um, I've been with other people in the hospital and that wasn't the case. And so, and so I thought maybe because, maybe because it's not, it's not, it wasn't fatal. Maybe, maybe there's less to release than you thought. And so I just was like, I don't know. So I just like, okay. But I can still feel like this thing, this like ball in my like chest of like, kind of like nausea, I guess is the way, maybe the way it could feel like an energy nausea. <laughs> and Sunday night, you know, Eden's in bed, guys get home. And then it's Monday morning, which is actually right now. And I'm drinking coffee with my husband. The littles are playing with like tiny toys on the ground, on the floor. My Isaac's playing piano. Ruby's, you know, in the mix, our dog. And I just started like weeping, like just it all, it all came out. It was like, oh, it was just like, there was this leak. It was like it, the home wasn't the house. It was the eclectic, eccentric energy, the synergy of all five of us and our dog home doing our regular thing. It was the, that's home. It was, it wasn't until we were all there together, all doing normal things that I just burst and it just came rushing out of like, this is home. This is home. This noise, this exchange, these kids on the floor, this dog, this smell of coffee, this sunlight coming through the living room, all of it, this um, is home. And I felt my whole self arrive there and, and then lose it because I could. It's interesting. It was interesting for me. And I'm like, I'm still, I'm still collecting the pieces you know, and the reason I put it here in this podcast is I think, um, if, if I can, and if you can hear someone, uh, kind of pulling something closer and closer to them, like, I feel like I'm like pulling on this rope, pulling, 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 healing towards me, then it might like jog something in your own experience or memory or hope to be like, Oh, right, 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 right. Where is that for me? What is that for me? Where do I understand that? Where does this connect? Like I, and, and I think if we can do that, if we can keep pulling this thing closer to ourselves, then there's a sense that we're going to light up each other's paths, right? Like I'll be like, oh, yeah, 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 I know that. Yes, I know that. I know that. I know that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just need to remember. And so I started having like this aha moment. And I like, I told my husband, I said, dude, (laughs) 
did. I, I did. I was like, I think that this is, I think that this idea around complex trauma, uh, why it, and you can research complex trauma and all, and all, the, and all that that is. But I realized, I was like, oh, um, growing up, I had one trauma after another, after another, after another, with no home, right? No safe place to have the repair, the regulation, or the release that's needed for trauma to come back into our system in a healthy way. And so it just stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked inside of me. And I didn't, I, I just, I think I was just kind of gathering that I'm like, holy shit, like this is why it, it felt so big because there wasn't ever anywhere to go with all the big things. Like they just like swallow, just swallow them, swallow, hold them forever. And so naturally in this trauma, it was like, oh, trauma naturally wants to leave my body. There was enough safety, enough regulation, enough support, enough okayness that my body went into its natural process of repair, release, and regulation on its own. And if we don't have a place where that can happen, then complex trauma or um, significant, frequent traumas that have been untouched by this space of regulation continue to build. And so they're outside of our resiliency, right? They're beyond what we can take back into ourselves. And I was like, there's this, there's an essential key factor when it comes to resiliency, and that is support. Like, who do you have? Who's available? Who's around? Who is for you? It's so key because we need another way to understand the okay, okayness, in order to have the repair, the regulation, and the release. But if you live in an environment where there is only rip, 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 right? hurt, trauma, hurt, trauma, rip, 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 and no repair, that it's just a chaotic, wounded mess, right? I'm still putting thoughts together on that, but I just, I wanted to like speak on that um, as a way we can continue to inform ourselves about what trauma is and what complex trauma looks like is, is maybe the person who doesn't have the home the space to be able to have the repair regulation and release that is needed for healing to occur, integration to occur and for resiliency to build. Um, and also, as you heard me say, home isn't, um, the house. Um, it's the, it's your chosen family. It's the family you build. Uh, rarely is it the family that we are born into or that we, um, that we get. So, Please know that um, you're not alone if you don't have the parental support you desire, okay? You're not, you're not alone in that. I'm not talking about home or family necessarily as only blood. And how cool if that is for you. That's, that's like obviously the hope. That's <laughs> what so we're try, all trying to do here. Um, but if it isn't, who's your chosen family? The, who, who are your friends? Who's your, who are the people you're connected to that you can ask to just hold space for you, to show up? Is that a, is that a friend, a therapist, a sibling, a coworker? Uh, who is that? Um, that was the, that was the first place I went. The people that texted me immediately were all chosen family.
Um, beyond that, and most importantly, so if you've made it this far in this podcast, I want you to kind of tune back in for a moment. The most important homecoming you will ever have is the one that is within you. Your first home, your most instinctual home, your original place of dwelling, yourself, is the most crucial, crucial, crucial homecoming. It is the most essential home, that place of nurturing, that place of well-being, that place of tenderness, the repair you can offer yourself. And so if, when you think, I don't know who my chosen family is, choose yourself. Regardless if if we have a surplus of, of people around us or no one at all, we have ourself. And it actually starts there. If we do not know and cannot recognize home within ourselves, then we do not know how to truly access that outside of ourselves. And so it is here and it is available now. And there's nothing that you need to do, uh, achieve or be good enough or um, intellectual enough or been to therapy enough years in order to have it. It is built in. I want you to think of it like breathing. I just spent a whole week doing respiratory respiratory therapy with my daughter. So listen, your body breathes on its own. Catch your breath right now. It's doing that for you. In and out. That's home. Our work is to let ourselves breathe. And to be home and to find home or homeostasis within ourselves. It's to to say, hey, there I am. You're safe here. You're home here. You can be messy here. Or you can have it all together here. You can fall apart here. Or you can be radically yourself here. You can be polite and sweet and quiet here. You can be a bitch here. <laughs> That's like, do you know, like we can kind of be all of ourselves and we're at home. If you've had that, you know, outside of yourself, certainly give that to you within yourself. But just no, 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 no. K-N-O-W, no. No. That home starts here. And so after that moment this morning of crying, on, crying into my coffee on my couch, and thinking about the, the idea of home, remembering that it wasn't the house I was walking into. It was the, the depth and the people and the relationship. It reminded me, Elise, um, home is here. Here. It wasn't when you cross the threshold into your house. It's when you cross the threshold into yourself. Okay? And so I just, I want to leave you with some with some room today. What is home within you? What's it look like? Smell like? Sound like? How good is it in there? How good could it be in there? What do you need? What's it look like? Build it out with your imagination. You know, I, I imagine um, that my house smells like the Haug's house like they're a detergent. (laughs) Um, And I imagine it sounds like my house. (laughs) 
noisy. Uh, but I imagine it looks serene. And I imagine myself there. And sometimes that self is young, you know? Whoever needs repair, whoever shows up. Sometimes my teenage self is there. Sometimes my little girl self is there. And I literally imagine them or pull out pictures so I can really remember. And I imagine them being within my, my body as a home. And I imagine them uh, getting to have needs, just like my daughter shows me all the time, reminds me, hey, it's, it's biologically necessary to need. And so I imagine sometimes like that I have a little girl who sits on the couch who needs something and she can ask and then healthy mother, me, can show up and give her what she needs without any drama or bullshit, you know, to be like, yeah, yes, whatever you need, my darling, whatever you need. I'm, it's my joy um, to give to you whatever you need. And I do that with versions and ages of myself who need that deep repair. Sometimes they just need to come in and fall asleep. Sleep is such good rest. And so if this makes uh, lands with you in any way, if this makes sense to you in any way, then just know that that's something that you um, get to practice as a form of like visualization, as a form of, as a form of homecoming meditation. Build out your house. What does your house look like inside of you? Build out the home. What does it feel like to be within you? Uh, who is showing up there? Your right now you, your wise future you, um, big wholehearted mama you, papa bear you. Who is there to do the, the caring and the, the housekeeping, you know? Um, and then beyond that, uh, the house without you, the home that is outside of you. How do you build and nourish and nurture into the relationship? How do you let people show up to you? This is my own work right now as well. Um, I needed to learn how to let people in this week. God, it's hard for me. I'm so stubborn um, when it comes to reaching out. It It's like... it. it I just lock into this fierce sense of like, no, I'll do it myself. I'm like two, right? I'm, I'll do it myself. I do, I'll, I'll just eat the scraps of my daughter's hospital food. That's, that's how I'll survive. And it's like, Elise, <laughs> don't make it harder on yourself. Let people bring you dinner. Let people bring you food. You, no one, you know, no one's going to be less because they brought you a meal to the hospital. Okay. And so, but I could see the old patterns, right? Trauma does that for us. It really highlights uh, what's already there. Good, bad, ugly, beautiful, resilient, fierce otherwise. And so I had an opportunity this week to, to see my old pattern, my instinctual pattern arise, which is I'll do it on my own. I'll do it myself. And then realizing, oh, yeah, no, that totally doesn't serve me at all. I'm hungry and would like to eat something besides this. And it allowed me opportunity to say, could, could someone bring me dinner? Could someone bring me candy? <laughs> could, could someone show up? There's a lot of things I, I was able to see this week um, and wanted to. I'm more supported in my life now than I've ever been. And so it takes, honestly, less courage to see because I've got the support to be able to see the, the things that I've been stuck in and to shift it. You know, even with my, with my husband, with my partner, you know, I, I, um, we both work in intense environments. Our, both of our works are really intense. We see usually, like, the hardest stuff, you know, or people's hardest days, and so he's used to this world of like 
um, being a first responder and when you run a call on somebody who's not breathing that that like what their levels are and how much oxygen is required to support them and so and so to him this was like nothing and I can tell that he wanted to alleviate my own anxiety around my daughter and what she was experiencing and and so his way of trying to help me not feel so much or be so much about it was to just reduce, 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 which makes me want to increase, 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 turn the volume back up to be like, no, 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 hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. It is like this. These are the numbers. This is what we're dealing with. You know, listen. And it was so interesting, right? Because, because in our pattern, um, it is easy for me. What I've been in is I'll just translate his intentions so I'll translate that I know what you're trying to do is, is to say, um, Elise, she's going to be okay. And so I do that work for him, which is really ripping him off of the experience of, and the power of his own communication and way of being there for me. And so I just said, hey, listen, I can't hold uh, the burden of translation this week. I know and I understand your intentions and your beautiful heart to care for me and when you say, you know, well, the call I went on and this is, is not helping. <laughs> and then getting to open up into a really personal deep space of, well, what I wanted to say was this. And it's like, that's, and that is exactly what I needed to hear. <sighs> I could have bit my tongue. I could have held that together too but I don't have to because he is strong enough that even when we're in other chaotic things, I could still speak the truth and it won't break our relationship. I could still say, Hey, Hey, listen, I don't have the mental capacity to translate what you're trying to say for me right now. Say what you mean, mean what you say. Don't say it mean, right? That's, that's an adage in our home. Say it. Speak the heart of what you want to say to me. Elise, I love you. She's going to be okay. You have all the support that you need. She's going to be okay. Thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. And so if you are in a place of chaos or trauma and things are turned up, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Drink deeply from what is available to you, right? The rest of our life, when things are like regular, we can numb to our work. It can get hazy. We can kind of not see totally, or we can be in the work of translation or minimizing or fierce independence. I can, I can um, handle it, right? So I've got greater capacity to um, sweep up my own mess to keep me from the medicine I need. But when trauma happens, which was all of 2020, um, things get stirred and we start to see the things that we no longer have capacity for. And I think that there is a moment there where we can decide if we're going to keep on um, sweeping up the shit or we're going to call it out. And so um, do whatever you need to do and keep your eyes open and see what you need to see and then decide what you need to do with it. Do you need to call it out or not? What are you willing to continue to accommodate and what are you not, right? Pay attention. Pay attention. So, whew. thanks for um, being here this week and for listening. And 
letting this continue to be a space of like capital letters. <laughs> That's why I feel like Mike, it's capital letters and a bold size font. And this is where it's at. And this is where I'm at. And if a year from now I think and feel differently and I, and I, and I edit betcha. And I hope so. That would be the way towards real time growth again. So that's it. That's what I got for today. I um, am always available to hear your side of the story and what this sounds like to you and what this where this connects to you as if this is like another star in the constellation of our shared healing sky, right? So let me know. You can reach out to me anytime. Uh, my email address is elise at elisesnipes.com. I know, right? As- <laughs> but whatever. Um, or on Instagram, just at Elise Snipes. Um, you can follow what's happening there. Okay. Hey, take care this week. Take care of you. Come home to you. Um, notice who around you is home for you and what that feels like and what you want to build better and stronger together and uh, what you need to stop doing and start doing all those things. I hear all my kids behind me. So motherhood calls and I am here for it. Cheers.